Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Jed Talks. My name is Jed Shepard and I am your host. On today's show, I've got two guests with me, Double Trouble. Um, these filmmakers um, have got a new film out called What Happens Next Will Scare You. It's great, I've just watched it. They're also responsible for one of the best um, found footage, kind of underrated films of the last like 10 years, I think, which is WNU halloween special which i absolutely love and if you've listened to me on podcasts before you would know that i've talked about it with other people and convinced them to, to watch it and it's currently on a shutter right now so you've got no excuse uh today i'm speaking to jimmy george and chris lamartina hi Thank guys so hey, for having us brother <laughs> no worries how are you guys doing doing good doing very good, good. hanging in there man yeah and be- before i day press the chords jimmy said what were you doing to your bath you were Cocking your bath. Well, <laughs> like, I, I think with an American accent, it sounds way dirtier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? I what? was, I'll say it like a really dorky American. I was caulking my bathtub. Caulking? <laughs> what is, I guess what? it still sounds dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Which is quite quite ironic because you meant to get clean in the bath. Um, but you guys keeping busy in, 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 this, in this crazy world right now? Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I I was working from home before this all started, so Uh, from a work standpoint, nothing has changed for me, Um, but I can't speak to Chris. Same, yeah, yeah, so I I work from home for my job, so I'm pretty fortunate, Um, and then we've been doing a bunch of social distance shoots for the WNF sequel. Um, we've actually managed to shoot about eight days during quarantine. Uh, it, basically, with me as the only crew, like I show up and set a microphone and camera, and people keep their distance. So, so, so we've been very cool. fortunate in that regard. But yeah, we're gonna get yeah. we're gonna get on to the to the sequel for that in a moment. But um, what I like to do because a lot of people who listen to this podcast are like filmmakers, up and coming filmmakers who kind of want to work out how they can get their break in film or start making films. How did both of you kind of start? Mm-hmm making your making your first film what did you go to film school or did you just decide one day to pick up a camera and start shooting where did it start yeah so for me and then and i think it's really interesting how jimmy and i gelled i think that's a really cool story um so for me i started making movies with a family camcorder at a really young age this is chris talking obviously (laughs) Um, Um, so basically, um, you know, I was making, um, stop motion animation movies, short horror films. And basically I would go home from every day after school and just make another short film. And like, literally I have VHS tape upon VHS tape of just like a movie a day I made as a kid. Um, and then at some point around, like, um, when I was like 14, I made this like 55 minute slasher comedy called Americill that, um, I got a bunch of me and my 14 year old friends to make. And we, we made it with the, with the idea of getting it distributed. Like, I remember I sent it to EI cinema who's now pop cinema and, um, they politely, politely turned us down, but it was one of those situations where like the idea of trying to get something distributed was always the big idea. And then I went to film school, uh, at Towson university where I I teach screenwriting, um, there now as well, but it it ended up, um, it ended up being one of those situations where, uh, you know, I, I, I never made horror features as um i never saw it as a career path and i don't it's still it's still the horror movies aren't a career path for me right now but like uh it's one of those situations where like going to film school led to, led to doing corporate video and things like that but yeah. we used our vacations all the time to to make more movies basically yeah yeah and uh i'll 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 start this story chris and you can bounce off of me um <laughs> how how chris and i so i did i did not go to film school um how chris and i met was chris played in a punk band 
um, that one of my friends played in. So I saw him all the time. We were introduced by a mutual friend um, who played in that punk band. And Chris and I are five years different. So I was 19 and he was 14. So it was like yeah. this really weird, awkward dynamic. Yeah. And he was <laughs> and always talking about cocking his bathtub. It was so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, <laughs> you want to see my bathtub? <laughs> Did you have to wait till he was 18 till he could fully like have <laughs> friends with him? <laughs> no. So, so, um, so uh, we instantly clicked because I knew, so I, I had been, uh, I started writing screenplays when I was 19. And my friend who introduced us knew that. He was like, you got to meet this, this guy, Chris LaMartina. But it was kind of not the right time because I was in college and he was like this 14 year old kid kind <laughs> yeah. of, you know? And so, but we did, okay. So we did hang out a couple of times and I'll never forget, like, um, like we went to see a Kevin Smith movie in the movies and it was like a Saturday and I was in college and like when I dropped him off his mom was kind of like what are you do what are you guys doing <laughs> of course, and, yeah. And, and, and yeah of course and, and it was totally innocent and uh and uh we just, <laughs> love, we, just we, <laughs> we just both loved movies right but yeah. I'll never forget it like the when I decided like I can't keep hanging out was I went home to college and everybody was like, hey, dude, what'd you do tonight? And I was like, <laughs> I went to the movies with this kid I met at a punk show. <laughs> and I like couldn't tell anymore the story because I was too like, this doesn't sound right. So, uh, <laughs> but I, um, I, I, uh, uh, through this, through Project Greenlight, which was uh, a show HBO did, yeah. a reality show, uh, I uh, was involved. I entered the first Project Greenlight uh, in 2000, mm -hmm. and I made some friends through message boards. There wasn't even like Classic. all we had was yeah. instant messenger. Like we didn't have MySpace <laughs> even yet. And I met some some filmmakers, some people who uh, eventually took their script that um, they had entered into Project Greenlight and uh, got funding for it. And a bunch of the people who were in that message board for Project Greenlight were involved in the project. And they invited me out there to work on it. And uh, simultaneously, I got a literary agent. So I just dropped everything and moved to Hollywood. Well, that didn't wow. work. <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking failed miserably, <laughs> lost all my money. That movie didn't even get made. That was like a lifetime ago. And I came back and, and another mutual friend of Chris's uh, I worked with him and he was like, you got to meet this guy, Chris LaMartina. I was like, oh, I know that guy. And so we we met up again, like, and at this point, Chris was in college. Okay, good, And, good, and right. so it, yeah. was, <laughs> it wasn't so it shifty, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and it was uh, funny. We we literally, like, I went to see him where he was, he was working um, as a stock guy at a, at a place at the mall. And I ended up going to see him to run into him in person. And he was just getting off. And um, we ended up going to a diner and started working on, like, I had this, um, as I called it at the time, a coming of age slasher movie that I wanted to make. And we ended up going to a diner and riffing on that. And that ended up coming out the first feature that we made together. I'd made a feature before we, we met, mm -hmm. but um, that was like the first yeah. thing we started doing. Yeah. And what was that called? Yeah. What was that? That was, that was called book of lore. I mean, that's really, right. I, I still, we still think it's, it has some really cool ideas, but it's just, it's, it's marred by very um, bad production value because we were so young. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I made that, I made that while I was, um, or directed that I should say while I was in um, uh, uh, film school, like I literally got independent study to make that. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, there's so many mistakes we learned on that one 
uh, that really shaped how he made movies for for till till this and, day. And every every movie, I'm sure you know all about this, Jed. Every movie, all of the, everything we fucked up on sort of led to a better movie after that. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, like yeah. WNUF Halloween Special would not exist if Book of Lore didn't have some shitty stuff in it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, we um, figured out what was shittiest, and we were like, okay, we'll recreate that shitty stuff on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. And then, so what What was that about your first um, combination uh, together, uh, your, the film that you first film we did together, that made you think, oh, this relationship can, can go on and make another film? Mm. Ooh. that's an interesting point like you meaning like you know like sometimes you collaborate with someone and you're and you're like yes. mm, maybe this won't work out that's a really <laughs> exactly. good question okay yeah. so i i think the and and you know there's been a certain um yin and yang to jimmy and i's relationship based off a couple of things so we we co-write and we co-produce together mm-hmm. and then i direct and edit and then and then for most of the movie as i've done um the, the musical score but not not all mm-hmm. of them yeah so what ends up happening is like i think <clears throat> the writing stages is very, very collaborative. I, for most of them, I've come with like initial concept of what I want to do. And yeah. then we sort of back and forth. And I do this other thing where um, I give Jimmy what I call the influences box, like a box of videos and books of things that influence like what I want the aesthetic to be. Yeah. And then we and that and we that is like crucial to the process because that helps me understand his vision without yeah. reading a script. This is the vision. So yeah. I can get on board. Yeah, because because that's the one thing I'll say that I think most collaborations are ruined uh, when people have a difference in tone yeah. or, or yeah. like or what what the actual thing is. And if you find a collaborator that really gets your voice as an artist, it's awesome. And I think from a standpoint of um, uh, writing, I think Jimmy and I are very united on that because here's something that's really interesting about our relationship that I think is has some people don't get. Like, I love shitty terrible like no budget and micro budget horror movies Mm -hmm. but at the same time too like i think jimmy has elevated me to be a better storyteller because he really comes from a fundamental fundamental like love of like hollywood movies yes yeah and well that's kind of you to say but yeah (laughs) but but, but i mean like it's it's like it's like honestly like it wasn't until like 10 years ago i saw the indiana jones movies i was too busy watching like all the jr bookwalter stuff or like the polonia brothers movies and it's like one of those situations like and so like we we ended up educating each other he was like no chris you need to see the shawshank redemption and i was like all right dude well you need to go watch lair of the white worm i don't fucking know like you know it's just like and and my love, you have given me an education on the genre. Like, I have grown to love the genre. Like, I loved horror movies before we met up, but I didn't know anything about them. And I I, I couldn't tell you any shot on video horror movies yeah. before I met you. You know what That's I mean? So, but, but I also think it's interesting if you think, I mean, if you're watching, if you're listening to us right now, we're both sort of like, energetic goofballs um and it, it, what ends up happening is we always make the joke that like on set it's nice cop nicer cop and I, i'm nice cop but jimmy's nicer cop um and and i feel like it's like it's one of the situations where i mean partially that's good sometimes sometimes it's mm-hmm. not so good when you have to make tough decisions and, yes. and, you, and you end up making creative decisions that are more about people's feelings sometimes than actually mm-hmm. making the right creative decisions which is something that it's always been tough for us because it's not like we're paying many of the people. Yeah. yeah. These movies, I know how that know? feels. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really tricky. Um, but I think the collaboration, let me not bully this conversation, but it's like, um, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think Jimmy and I work together really well um, because of there's a mutual respect of, of what we excel at. And I also think Jimmy has been incredibly respectful of my role as director. And, 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 and there's been a couple of times when, when Jimmy will say, dude, 
like I don't like just don't do this thing with my script, you know, or or with our script, I should say. But it's like, but it's like for the most part, he really lets he trusts me infinitely. And there's certain times like when we're making a low budget movie where like I will be very careful how to say this, and I doubt these people are even watching or listening. (laughs) But but like um but there'll be times when like an actor might be like twice our age and sort of say like, are you really sure this, that, and like, you know, like, <laughs> oh, really? and like, and like Jimmy will, will like, 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 we'll like, you know, like we'll politely say in ways like, no, like he's the, like with a low yeah. budget, people are going to doubt the director sometimes yeah, based yeah, off yeah, like certain right, decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, um, Jimmy has, has, um, it's why he's an amazing producer. He is, he is steadfast, steadfast faith in, um, creative decisions at, at, at the high level. So yeah, I'm, I'll shut up. <laughs> Uh, on my end i I will say um uh, i think we have a really unique ability to elevate each other's ideas Mm -hmm. like i think every time i give you something you make it better and i think there's times where you've given me something and you're like you you like sell it to me as needing more Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here's how we can make it more. And yeah. I, and and like we are like we are so uh, good at uh, just taking each other's notes and ideas. I think it's I think the main thing is um, like time has created that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like mm-hmm. that has grown over time. Because I I yeah. would say if when we started, we probably weren't great at elevating each other's ideas and I, I, I think trusting each other. I, I was going to say, I think, I think that's like a maturity thing that exists with like, well, we, we failed a lot together and I we think that's up real, a lot. It, yeah. Like, I think that's really important to think about. I mean, yeah. like, you know, most people know us from as the guys who made WF, mm-hmm. they don't know book of lore and grave mistakes. Some people know president's day or witch's brew. Um, but it's, it's ultimately like, you know, nobody, if somebody watched my first movie, dead teenagers and go, that guy made WF, they wouldn't fucking believe it. But the <laughs> thing was, those were all those fuck ups. And I think what, what Jimmy, what you're saying is right. Like early on, we probably placated each other. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> because we were feeling out that relationship. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that, that has to exist naturally. So, yeah. yeah. And the interesting thing is, do you think um, you would have made the films, that you made without each other like could you have made wnuf yourself uh, chris for instance without like and how would it be different how what yeah. would so what i would say about w okay so all of them are a little different to talk about like, like for example yeah. book of book of lore wouldn't exist at all without the two of us i think yeah. president's day would not be the same movie i mean president's day would have been it was this movie that i basically just wanted to make a slasher movie with abe lincoln as a killer nice. and then and yeah, then jimmy was like why don't we make it a high school student council election like literally take the plot of election but turn to a slasher nice. and that's when i realized like that was the that was the yin and yang that sort of like made that happen yeah but, that's we we do yeah wnf is a little bit different because like um i do I think it? Do I think I could have made it on my own? I mean, I, 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 yeah, I guess I could. I mean, I'm making the sequel right now on my own. But I think Jimmy did some structural things that made it more of a, um, like whether you believe it or not, WF follows a, a narrative three act structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, no, like, and, and uh, yeah, and like you know, it's like it's like now. Granted, the first twenty minutes are the fucking news, but like at the same time too, <laughs> like I mean, it's it does have setups and catalysts and and, and, and we stuff. we have talked about that at length as far as the like. The news and the commercials within the news are world building setup. It's all yeah. setup. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's every, what we did in post. Yeah. Half an hour of setup when yeah. zero happens. <laughs> the film's only 56 minutes long, and the yeah. first 30 minutes, nothing happens. It's just all good. Dude. So well, I know dude, how it, it works. Yeah. But, it, but it's also interesting to, to bring it like what you said about hosts, but also in WNUF comparatively, it's like th- what I found so liberating about WNUF is that 
okay, when you make a when you make a, a truly narrative feature like a cinematic story, you know it's use it or lose it, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, like everything you're putting in there, you're putting in there for a reason. But with something like host or WF you have to play for realism. So really like every third or fourth thing you might pay off, yeah. but there's more creative freedom as a storyteller to, to just set the scene. And also just like you said, world building. So like for me with, with, you know, with the original WF and also the sequel, it's like, there's so much stuff that I just like want to do because it's funny or cool. And like, it's like, it's so liberating to not have a payoff. You know? Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And I will say, Jed, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, kiss Chris's ass here publicly. <laughs> um, WNUF of all the projects is mostly Chris. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and what I what I mean by that is, uh, by the nature of what the project is, um, it allowed, in my opinion, Chris to form it to be as close to what he imagined. Mm-hmm. More so than yeah. any of our other movies, because there's so many things out of your control mm-hmm. when you're shooting a traditional movie. Whereas the the nature of the project of WNUF, it allowed him to make it to have a lot more creative control over the finished product. And yeah. I and I will say that um, like it's the only movie that's exactly how he described it to me. <laughs> in the finished that's, that's product. That's true, yeah, because a lot of times and we have to make creative compromises that, that ruin a lot of All the, the time. Yeah. And so I will I yeah. will say that, uh, like, dude, WNUF's greatness is mostly Chris La Martina, and, <laughs> and I'm fine by saying that. Um, that's that's very sweet, truth. but, I, but I, what, what I'll say is, I, I will say this in a, in a, in a hopefully less, um, this doesn't come off as arrogant. I, um, one of the things with WNUF is, like, is, like, I worked in local TV, and like I, I knew what it was like to be a local TV guy, and I knew what you do to fill in the the minutes or hours of, of a TV show. So I think there was that knowledge of that. Also, like very simply, I mean, when I started making short films when I was a kid, it was four three aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Like I remember we talked early on when we when when I was shooting a lot of the stuff for like some of the um the, the news packages and things, literally just myself as the crew, um like just like just like B roll and things like that. Um they um. There, there were times where I was like, man, it's fucking weird to frame these shots for, you know, like more of a square shape and not yeah. like the landscape, like things like that. And it, it was really like, it was bizarre, but I, I almost, it, it was almost like a strange homecoming to a certain, certain, to a certain degree. So nice. And do you, and the, the premise of WNUF um, Halloween special is obviously it's meant to be a real life um, event that happened on TV in, in the 80s. What were your influences going into that? Was it was there a specific film or set of films that influenced you to make that, or was it just your memories of of television back then? Yeah, so there's a there's a couple of things things for WF. So like the, the the initial impetus was we were well, you asked about influences first, but I'll, I'll get yeah. to that because I feel like it's, <laughs> I got to break it down a little bit differently. Um, so like it had been a couple of years since we had made a feature. Like we were looking up at the second summer we weren't making a feature. Literally for our relationship, like every summer we made a movie together, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was one of those situations where we were like, Christ, man, we're coming up on a second summer. There's no Midnight Crew Studios movie. This is depressing. <laughs> and, and like, it, and it was- It's true. <laughs> so like, and like, and like I was, we were talking to um, our, our good friend, Jamie Nash, who, um, you know, he does the podcast with Jimmy. And then also like, he's basically, um, like I'd worked on his film Two Front Teeth many years ago, yada, yada, yada. Which he actually, why we should talk about, he just got announced as the, um, 
Save the Cat. Uh, he's re- he's ready. doing the Save the Cat television book. Yeah. Wow. It's really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny. Um, but Jamie and I is who I lovingly refer to as my screenwriting dad. And um, <laughs> so he was um, he basically um, he was like uh, I was telling him, I was like, man, like the only way we're going to make a Midnight Crew movie now. And I'd worked on um, Lovely Molly with him. He had wrote Ed Sanchez's film Lovely Molly, and I produced a lot of their content for their social media. Nice. So um, I, I was intrigued by this idea of making a found footage movie. And I was telling Jamie, I was like, dude, the only way we're going to make a Midnight Crew movie is a found footage movie because it'd be simple. Mm-hmm. We could we could write and do that really fast. Yeah. And then, you know, I would I would like. We like the idea of WF. Like, basically, I we we without saying all the talking points, I always say we wrote a list of all the things we hated about found footage movies, mm-hmm. and we realized to, to conquer them would be to basically like you know make it a TV broadcast. But the commercials was the turning point. Influence well, wise, what, what was your list? Yeah. What was your list of um? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. About okay. So people heard me talk on podcasts before; they're gonna know I've, I'm. <laughs> I was lightning fucking fast. All right. Yeah. So first and foremost. <laughs> Um, first and foremost, when you go to a store and you buy a DVD with the UPC code, you mm-hmm. know fucking immediately that movie is a movie. They yeah. would not sell, sell a stuff snuff film, right? Yeah. So like that immediately takes the conceit of the story out of it. Two, mm. Midnight Crew movie, Midnight Crew Studios films, like Jimmy and I's films we made together, they, they were always sort of these like ensemble films. And most most found footage movies end up being sort of like smaller, you know, like mm-hmm. one location, a couple people, and that never really attracted us to storytelling. It's probably the reason mm-hmm. why our careers the way it is because we make big movies. <laughs> With no budgets and what we should really make these small movies with with big budgets anyway so there was that and then there was uh the, the the third big one was it's so monotonous like the idea of like one people trapped in, in one location for me really sort of like um like i needed to break up the action somehow mm-hmm. so so we started thinking about that stuff and then we were like oh oh and i'm sorry the the, the other th- the fourth one that was really important yeah you know, why are they filming why are they filming this yeah you know That's for number me, one for me. It, it, yeah, yeah, that's that is the number one. That's why I glossed over it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's, it's one of those situations where like, you know, like, you know, okay. My immediate thought was like, well, why is someone filming this? Well, maybe if they don't film it, uh, they lose money or they lose their jobs. That's their job. It's a it's a TV show. And when I had the idea of, of making it a TV show, it's like, okay, TV shows. We, what, what are we just going to not have commercials? No, it, it's just, it, and the 80s was sort of in vogue, but I really sincerely, we were never making fun of the 80s when we made this movie. Like, I really yeah. sincerely would, to relax, I would put on compilations of 80s commercials. Yeah, like, yeah. like, and that's just sort of weird makeup. But basically, what it what broke down to that way was, um, and I'll try to get through this really quickly. Um, basically, you're like, okay, we're going to have commercials in there to break up the movie. And, and that was the moment where I realized, dude, nobody is crazy enough to make a movie where 30 minutes of our, our commercials. And, and that was the joke. Like, we're those crazy nobodies because we had no, it's not like we had investors. It's not somebody would tell us like, dude, uh, Chris, please really don't shoot this movie standard definition. Shoot at HD or 4K. I was like, fuck you, man. Like we're going to, no one's going to give a shit about this movie. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Jimmy told me something recently. What did you say? Yeah, I, um, you, here's what Chris, when, when Chris was finished his pitch, he said to me, uh, no one's going to like this movie. But we're gonna make it anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the best way. Honestly, that, that's the but, same but and, 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 and we, I love that. That's it's awesome. True. That is but, awesome. Um, <laughs> but I um uh, I remember we talked about this on a on another podcast recently. It was fun to like remember this moment. I I I started to feel like when we were shooting the the uh, the newscast. Uh, like on the set that mm-hmm. we built this set in one day, we shot all the, all the stuff with the anchors in one day. Oh. And I, I just remember by the end of it, 
feeling like it was going to be great and people were going to love it. Um, and so it was a nice shift. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and to go back to those, those initial points. So like the, um, obviously like the, the ensemble cast, the story made it lend itself to an ensemble cast, but then the, um, the big thing too, was when we released the movie, um, the conceit of, are you watching a true found footage movie existed in two ways. Mm-hmm. I uploaded it to torrent sites on purpose. Bef- nice. I mean, this is six months <laughs> before the movie was a commercially available at all. Yeah. yeah so yeah, like yeah. I uplo- uploaded like Cinemageddon and things like that and basically lied. The description says my godmother, Mary Lou taped it off of, <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing what, what we did was we, we made about 50 copies of the film on VHS with a white spine label that just said WNUF Halloween special and you know um, I one of those I would I Dude, I would I, I would leave them in the bathroom at horror conventions. I would throw them out the fucking window. Uh, so we we did that about fifty tapes, and then um and then in August of that year, the film only came out on VHS for about the first two three months, like that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Still, it's, you can still buy it on VHS right now, can't you? You can. The only thing about it is, uh, it's it actually is a it's a um it's a slipcase, not how it was initially released. Uh, that way. Yeah, sure. so, I mean it's it's still cool. I mean, like it's still super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you looking for, one Jimmy? I <laughs> thought I have it right behind me, but it's it's not there. I don't know where it is. Um, <laughs> so many things. But, but, uh, Jed, you mentioned the influences. Um, yeah. So the, the big influences were this. So like one of the one of the really the the raw material that got me to the story uh, first and foremost was you know we're in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, sort of where um, very close to where Edgar Allan Poe passed passed oh. away um where he was killed or well who is ended up dead nobody knows what happened to him anyway but like um <laughs> so um it, there's the poe house in baltimore and they did a radio show there in the in the i think like mid to late 70s sometime where they did a live seance and i'd heard that and for years i was trying to track down like dude i would love that live seance audio recording wow. um but i never could find it i don't think it was ever recorded to any format that exists now but um that was sort of the style of it's like oh it'd be cool to have like this sort of like like on-air seance be like a really cool setup for a story so that's in the back of my head and then a couple other things like you know there was this actually really great um there's this old radio show about someone broadcasting live from a um uh, frankenstein's castle that ends up being this sort of very found footage-esque radio show i think it's like the 40s and 50s and then the other um the other big one was and i keep forgetting about this but i actually um i was reminded today because i'm working on a um I'm working on something called Merry Cringe Miss, which is just a compilation of <laughs> shitty, awkward Christmas clips, yeah. uh, just for like my friends and family. Yeah. And um, and I found these clips of this guy, and this is the guy that inspired, um, at least inspired the idea of making like a regional uh, Halloween show. Was mm-hmm. there was this there was this talk show, or no? There was this um, there's a Buffalo News reporter named Mike Randall. And Mike Randall did all these really great on-air packages in Buffalo. And I had found these back in the early days of YouTube where you just typed it, typed in like Halloween public access and you found great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, now you now the algorithms are all fucked up. But basically, like um <laughs> Mike Randall did the Mike Randall Halloween special, and it's not like WF, but I was like, I want to make this. Like I want to make something with the same amount of kitsch, and that was really the starting point. So those those were, people always think people always mention Ghostwatch to us. Man. I was gonna I was gonna say like, Ghostwatch. Yeah, I've dude, never it, seen it. Yeah, oh, I, I, <laughs> I was going to say like, I, for host the, the the number one influence. Is it really? Wow. But, yeah, by, but by see, far, like it's fun, yeah. it's 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 funny. I feel like I like I think Ghost Watch is very cool in concept. I didn't watch it till about two or three years ago because everyone mm-hmm. kept saying we were like it. Yeah. Um, and that was one of those situations for me where I was like, I, I came into it slightly bitter because I think people thought we were ripping it off. And like uh, I had never seen it, right. you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it I think was hard to find at that point. Yeah. It, even in one, the UK, yeah, yeah. it was hard to find for a long time because it was banned. Because when it came out, it was on the BBC, and you're meant to trust the BBC here. It's like <laughs> it's like the Satan. 
and it tricked everyone and someone committed yeah. someone watched it and committed suicide um mm. so it was banned for like 20 years uh, you could only wow, get it on like crazy. vhs so i got it on on like on ebay on in, on this like shitty vhs which is the best <laughs> way to watch it by the way and i was yeah like, and i just heard stuff about it and and like so i watched it, I was like oh, oh my god this is incredible um and yeah i mean it was probably the most i think the blair witch project was influenced by it a lot uh-huh. paranormal activity is a hundred percent rip ripping off the Blair Witch, and, and they've kind of admitted <laughs> that. Um, well, it's it's also really interesting you bring that up though. The idea yeah. of like you know like ideas don't exist in a vacuum, especially horror. Like everything exactly. sort of tangentially true. Influences yeah, true. Like for example, when you mentioned Ghostwatch, when I learned about the concept, the idea of BBC doing it makes yeah. me go, oh well, they're and I'm going to put my hands in air quotes when I say this. Oh well, they're ripping off War of the Worlds when yeah, Orson yeah, Welles yeah, did yeah. that. In, you exactly. know, you know, because it's one of those situations where like. Obviously, at that point, like the the subgenre or the or the monster you're doing is is almost like um, not necessarily super important to what what the uh, the, the larger uh, the larger ruse is, you know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. but then, I mean, I I, th- I think Ghost uh, Ghost Watch is an amazing concept. I mean, I think it's it's a lot more serious than what I what I what I would like what I wanted like out of that type of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. And that's what it's all about: your voice, right? You can yeah, have yeah. two. You can have the same concept, and two different yeah. voices can do something completely different with it. Yeah, totally, I'm yeah. I'm one of these people. So so because like I'm a full time script consultant, so mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of insecure writers um, <laughs> who come to me and they're like, I know this idea is a lot like this, but I love it and I want to do this with it. And I'm I'm always on the side of go for it. Yeah, it doesn't um, because matter. It doesn't... because your voice is gonna bring it to life in a way that that thing that you're worried about being compared to won't didn't do. It's yours is gonna be completely different if if you're true to your own voice. Yeah, um, that's great. I'll, and I'll I'll ask you a few questions about um, screenwriting in a little bit. So after you released the uh, WNUF, what was the initial reaction to it? Like, did it get the kind of reaction? when you put it onto torrents did people genuinely think for a little while that it was like a literal found uh film from or, or package from the from the 80s is that so what so it's interesting the the at first the stuff like cinema again i remember people commenting like thank god for for aunt mary lou for taping this and then i think <laughs> immediately like seven or eight column comments down after somebody actually watched it they were like this isn't real you know <laughs> at that point at that point i always make the joke like well dude are you gonna tell like a six-year-old santa claus isn't real like yeah, let somebody yeah. have the fun with it you know exactly, yeah. um but i was gonna say that the um the response was like something i don't think um i think now we realize how special it is i think in 20 mm-hmm. in 2013 when it came out i don't think we realized it i think mm-hmm. i thought we were just like cool another movie another you know yeah. another coal for the fire yeah. um but it, <laughs> yeah. it was um i mean so dude, it's, it's remarkable i mean yeah, it's been the response is more like now is is kind of the it's grown and it just yeah. keeps growing. And, and and now the response for me is 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 pretty shocking. Like it's like I don't think I personally never thought we would make a movie together that would outlive us. And mm-hmm. like, I think the movie will outlive us. And that is like yeah. a really fucking crazy thing to me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just an honor already. I think it really is. Thanks, thanks for saying that, that man that's that's high praise yeah. coming from you high <laughs> praise and, and like, yeah. i've noticed like in in the last like two three years it's starting to creep onto those best of lists like i don't you've probably noticed yourself when people do their their top 10 top five like um either found footage films or underrated horror films 
it's always you guys. It's always you guys. Yeah. And I and like it's even be, before crazy. before Host came out, I did like a my top ten found footage films on Twitter, and I included um, WNUF on that. And people were like, "What's that?" Well, I've seen all the others, but what's <laughs> WNUF? And then it's so good now that it's on Shudder, so like everyone can watch it. It's it's so good because it was quite. Yeah, and that's what always awesome. happens. Yeah. Like yeah. when's it when 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 Shudder always like restocks it, as I would say, or puts it back up. We always get yeah. a huge influx of of folks getting stoked about it. I mean, dude, it's it, it's crazy. Like we never. I think what really works about WNUF is the 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 cheapness as aesthetic makes it very mm. accessible to somebody who may mm. have seen like one of our films like Call Girl of Cthulhu. Mm. Um, like they they like you know Call Girl of Cthulhu is a forty one thousand dollar movie that maybe looks like a hundred grand, you know. But like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, like but it's like one of those situations where if somebody if is used to seeing Hollywood movies and they watch that, they're like, oh, this is this is low budget garbage. Whereas you can watch WNUF and be like, oh, that's it's supposed to look like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then. Yeah. And then off the back of WNUF, did you do another film together be- before you did your latest one? Yeah, um, yes. Yeah. And that was Chris. You want to you want to tell the call girl uh, whirlwind? Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is what's insane. So we we had made we we wrote Call Girl of Cthulhu, our um, H.P. Lovecraft uh, love letter. It's a horror sex comedy. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen gross. it yet, by the way. I've, I've, I've got it. You guys. I'll send me. you a copy. I haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that one yeah. yet. But I've seen the other, the other ones. It'll probably it'll probably take four months to get there during all this craziness. Yeah. But, uh, oh, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, so we we had we had um you know we had we had written that movie and we were um why this is like just tells you how much we didn't we weren't thinking about WNF being this big deal. Um, yeah, Call Girl was always the big movie to us, right? Um, yeah. So so for so for comparison, WNF was shot for fifteen hundred dollars. Call Girl was forty one thousand. Um, wow. Still not real budgets, but you know comparatively, you know. Yeah. yeah. So. And how so long story short, you, how did you get mm-hmm. the forty-one grand? Just, just out of interest. That was well, this um, is part so, of the story. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, no, that's that's good. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. So basically, long story short, um, we we had made we'd written three drafts of Call Girl. We were finally ready to go, and we started a crowdsource campaign. We started a, co- a crowdsource campaign on Kickstarter to try to raise. Um, I think twenty-five grand was what we, what we were going to mm-hmm. raise. We ended up making like twenty-seven or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so when 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 ended up happening was. Um, while we were running the crowdsource campaign for Call Girl, we made WNUF. Yeah. And while we were while we were in pre-production on Call Girl, I was editing WNUF. Wow. <laughs> and, and dude, it was and, and like here's the thing that's fucking crazy. I was editing WNUF. We were in pre-production on Call Girl. I was working full time as a um, video editor slash producer at this marketing agency, and yep. I was teaching video editing at like a community college place. <laughs> and like, so it was like one of these situations where it was like, it was just like you're firing on all cylinders all the time. And so what ended up happening with with Call Girl was, I, I really like talking about the nuts and bolts of this because it's it's like no, a, it's I, a I love hearing about it. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So uh, it's a cautionary tale. So. <laughs> Let me let me let me fuel fuel this story. He's taking um, a big gulp we, of coffee there. <laughs> we had raised we ra- we had raised um twenty uh, after Amazon it was like twenty four twenty four thousand yeah yeah okay. it was, it was, so we yeah. had we had that and then we had another individual um, investor a, a good friend of ours gave us five grand mm-hmm. uh, to to put that in there um, and then as we were making the movie the effects team came back with a very high effects budget that we didn't hadn't planned on we assumed the effects would be about a third of our budget right and it needed and, that uh, there was 185 practical 100% effects. 100% yes okay. so. totally the effects were worth it it's it's an epic movie um, at yeah. least on the scale of what we're doing um, but long story short we didn't have the money so 
WNUF had not been made, uh, had not been finished, and we didn't know finished. it was going to be responded to. And what ended up happening was we were like, how the fuck are we going to even get the rest of the money to make Call Girl? <laughs> yeah. And Jimmy and I are both very um, fiscally, um, not not politically, but fiscally conservative. <laughs> and um, and um, as you need to be, as you need to be as, as low-budget filmmakers. Yeah. So um, we, we were like, we're not going to take out credit cards. Like, I, we don't know, we don't have any other investor friends. Like, we don't know what the fuck to do. So and I this was, the- okay, time, timeline-wise, this was December, and we were planning on shooting in April. So we needed to get $10,000 in cash within four months, and we were firing on all cylinders. All the oh. wheels were in motion. Departments yeah. were working. The film was cast. We were already like on our way to filming without $10,000 that we needed to actually make the movie. Wow, interesting. So I might, even, I might even, I, I almost wanted to, to, to tighten the stakes, if you will. I might even say that may have been January or February at that point. We were terrified. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We, were, yeah like, like, we were in bad news. Two and a so, half months, three months to, to find yeah. that 10 grand. And, and like yeah. literally, we were like, we were like spending money that we were like hoping we would find the rest. So long <laughs> yeah, story short. On our own dime. <laughs> I hit up, I hit up Pop Cinema, you know, EI, the company, when I, when I made Miracle at 14, I hit them up, you know, a couple of years later, but now I had a relationship with Mike Ross Rasso, who was like the owner of EI and Paige Davis, who was their acquisitions director. And they had always made offers on a couple of our features, but they never gave us good enough advance offers to ever, mm-hmm. to really work with them. Right. At least not on the later stuff. They've released Book of Lore, um, but we didn't get an advance for that. So anyway, so I hit them up. I was like, guys, we need 10 grand. Very simply. And this is where you're going to roll your eyes and go, oh, God, this is why this is where everyone who's a filmmaker is going to roll their eyes or actually anyone with half a fucking brain is going to roll their eyes. <laughs> I told uh, we, we told them we were like, listen, we need 10 grand and we, and we need this to finish this movie for 10 grand. You can buy the movie outright forever. We just want this movie to exist because if we don't have that 10 grand, we literally can't make the movie. It was like this fucked up cinematic gift of the Magi. Like yeah, we literally yeah. needed to sell the movie to make the movie. So yeah. long story short, um, we sold the movie to them in perpetuity for less than what it cost to make completely um, because that was the only reason we were going to yeah dude and and now now here's what I'll say in retrospect if we didn't make that movie I would have never met the woman that's uh, in the other room right now because that was our <laughs> my, Melissa was the lead actress she was the call oh, girl of Cthulhu awesome. herself and and yeah. making that movie was the best thing that ever happened to me because she's the best thing that ever happened like she like that's sweet like that's the yeah. that's the thing for me movies it's like it's like the people you meet along the way is why it's so awesome absolutely yeah like that guy (laughs) so you trying to say that (laughs) That guy yeah if it wasn't for that that 10 grand you wouldn't be with uh your your partner right now wow yeah (laughs) yeah exactly exactly. (laughs) yeah it's true it is is true it's like it's wild (laughs) so so yeah it hurts it hurts you know but you know it all turned out fine in the end right that's right so WNUF was just kind of to, to to pass the time while you were making Call Girl of Cthulhu. That's really interesting. Well, I, and I, I will say this to, to pass the time. Like, I mean, we cared about it. I, I will yeah, say yeah. This. <laughs> it, it, it was well, here. Here's, I think, a, a really important uh, a conversation about our about Jimmy and I's partnership. Like I let, let me let me uh, be self-deprecating for a second. <laughs> if I did not have a relationship, like a professional relationship with Jimmy, I would probably make really shitty, low budget, very simple, like 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 I'd I'd be making like stuff like um, and I love the Polonia Brothers, but like stuff like them, like because yeah. I just like making movies and like making stories, like, and and I think one thing that's always been interesting is like Jimmy's always had you know 
you know, we always make the joke like eyes bigger than your stomach, like, you know, but, but we always have like, we'd have like make these sort of ambitious train wrecks of movies where like our, our, <laughs> our imagination are big is bigger than our budget. Mm-hmm. And we don't care because like we're not making movies um, to make our living off this. We're making movies because we right. want to tell stories. So yeah. what ended up happening with WMF, it was like, that was my excuse to say, well, no, let's make a smaller movie. But at the same time, it worked because the smallness um, really was, um, I mean, look, it's the most ass backwards way to make a found footage movie. <laughs> Making half an hour of commercials is not really like a true found footage movie because it's a lot more work than it is. But it was something It was something that I was stoked about. I mean, I fucking would wake up at 6 a.m. and start editing commercials. I'd come home on my lunch break and edit commercials. So like, cool. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> And, but um, but Call, Girl, Call Girl of Cthulhu was the movie that we thought was uh, gonna be our most popular thing. Is what yeah. it is. Yeah. And and we 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 didn't think that uh, WNUF was gonna be um, beloved in the way that people seem to love it. We thought if there was a movie that that was gonna be beloved, it's this horror sex comedy. See, I know exactly how you feel because because obviously we made host in, in lockdown, but we were waiting to make our Sam Raimi movie. Like, we, we, yeah. we Sam Raimi. So, and because lockdown happened, it was like, oh God, like now we can't make it. Let's, let's make something. And that's what Host is. And it's, we thought it would be the, the Raimi film that would like boost us in, in, into people's eyes and personally. Mm-hmm. And it was this little film on Shudder, which is a ni- very niche platform, but it's, it, but it's just gone around the world. And like, yeah, man, it's been, it's incredible. It's Congrats on that. But, <laughs> and I also think, but, but Jed, what you're saying is really important to talk about. Like <clears throat> you made a movie that was perfect for the moment. And, exactly. and I feel like you, ca- you captured the zeitgeist in a way that I think comparatively, like, look, I think host is going to like, I mean, the host is an incredible movie, but, but I think like, like comparatively to, to WNUF, like we hit that weird eighties nostalgia and we yeah. hit the resurgence of VHS at just the right time. Cause now if mm-hmm. I made a movie that was really influenced like for like eighties and VHS, it wouldn't feel right. Right. Um, Oversaturated. I think exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 I, and I think I, yeah, but people were really. Fe- Dude, people were feeling what you put on the screen, though, dude. I mean, like when we watched that, like it was so extra chilling because of like, no, dude, we're all we're all in this shit. Not to mention the, like the lightning fast turnaround on how you guys did that. Yeah, yeah. in the middle of lockdown. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. it's crazy. We're making the next one right now, like because of mm. lockdown too. The next one yeah. is ambitious to say the least. Um, <laughs> nice. But it's that's awesome. It's totally, it's totally different than a host, so we'll see if people like it uh, as much. I, I think, nice. I think they will. It'll either get us cancelled um, <laughs> because it's very controversial, or okay. people will love it more than host because it's just, oh, just man. Ooh. That's awesome. yeah, that's but, um, super awesome. Yeah, but let's go on to on to, on to your new your, your new film, which which I watched mm-hmm. and, I, and I really really loved. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, and it's what happens Appreciate next it. will scare you and. What what made you make this? Like, what was the initial? What was the genesis of this? So I think this one, um, it's 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 thematically it's our most personal film, mm-hmm. and I think if if you're feeling like so this the conversation for this one, okay thematically like i was working in marketing and advertising and you're basically just coming up with all yeah. kinds of insane <laughs> things to get eyeballs right but i think jimmy and i were in the situation where after wnuf a handful of producers came to us and we're trying to get us to make movies at like the um like the hundred thousand dollar level mm-hmm. and it was always a tough position for us to be in because um well very frankly like you know like at a hundred grand movie 
uh, what I would take home and what Jimmy would take home would not be a, a fair paycheck for the amount of work. And also I couldn't quit my job. Mm-hmm. Like neither, neither, of us could yeah. really, and yeah. neither of us could do that. So every time somebody came to us with like, make a, make this hundred grand movie for us. I, I, my basically thing was like, dude, it's, it's, I'm not hungry enough for that. Like mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't do that. You come back with a million then yeah, but let's talk. But like, it, it's not like, or, or hopefully more than yeah. that, you know, no one's ever come to us. For that. <laughs> so, so if you're watching anybody, no, I'm just joking. Um, but like but it's one of those situations where um, we were feeling like, you know, are we making movies to stay relevant or, or like, or to sort of, sort of just to, to make a movie, are we really putting meaningful stuff out there? And like, I mean, like very simply, I love the fact that when we want to make a movie, we're making it because we want to make that movie, not because mm-hmm. someone's paying us to, or because we have to, to pay our mortgage. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was the story that came into it. So basically the story is basically about these clickbait journalists who are voting on the top 13 scariest viral videos for a Halloween listicle. And, um, you know, basically, uh, they, uh, they unleash some dark forces into the, the actual real world from the internet. <laughs> it's, it, it's basically, um, it's a found footage anthology, essentially. Kind yeah. of, yeah. it's kind of found I've footage. Been, yeah. I've, I've been describing it as "Are you afraid of the dark?" with adults in an yeah. office. Yeah, um, <laughs> I get that. Especially the story with the with the influencer girl. I feel like that's very kind of goosebumps. Are you afraid of the dark? Kind of yeah. vibe. Uh, that was that was my favorite one as well because it was I knew it was going to be gross and like when he first yeah. the signs when he first did the signs of her changing <laughs> it's like this is going to be this is going to be gross and I was not disappointed it was That's gross awesome. it was just like oh I can't even look at the screen it's just like, like it just looks like someone yeah, put their nose on her face it's <laughs> Dude, I tell you what. Um, the um, the 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 final formation of that was done by an effects artist who's a filmmaker in his own right. I got to give some props to my buddy Mike Lombardo. Mm-hmm. So Mike Lombardo is an effects artist who lives about an hour and a half north in Pennsylvania. And um, if you want to watch one of the most incredible, depressing Christmas movies you'll ever see, it's, it's mm-hmm. micro budget, but he does he does amazing work with the budget. Um, it's called I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday, Ooh, and Mike I'll made that, that and it's, nice. it's dude, it's so good. I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday. It's a post apocalyptic Christmas movie, movie. Mike Lombardo is just like he's one of my favorite contemporaries. Love that guy. Okay, but yeah. and he did a bunch of effects on what happens next, and um, he told me the pimple monster monster. Uh, took a hundred hours to craft so thank oh you mike god <laughs> wow it looks yeah, like i mean that's what's crazy good. man when you make these things for no money as you know like it's like it's like you end up being like um oh my god i always fuck up this reference is it huckleberry finn or tom sawyer who gets the, the kid to paint the fence like like this is so much fun to paint the fence oh god you know what i mean I'm like, like, it's like, like finn. yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> i think it's huckleberry finn yeah like i never read the book i'm sorry <laughs> but like basically but basically like it's one of the situations where like you're trying to convince like other weirdos like hey let's do this weird thing together and when you find those folks that are stoked about spending 100 hours on a latex mask or latex creation like yeah those are your people man yeah, you know like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. those are those are the those are the rider dies and i'm sure they like he did it for less than uh market value as well like yes uh, dude, <laughs> dude the what happens next well should we tell the what well, we've already told the budget to people yeah tell uh, the budget dude yeah it's, it's the, the whole budget of what happens next was six grand so no way so it's, really well, yes. and it, and it, that was that was really fortunate How? because the office we shot in the office we is. shot in 
um, was uh, my the agency where I was a creative director mm. producing all their live action commercials. So all the gear we used for free. And you used it so like night, you know you? you use it mostly. Yeah, night. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, it was a fucking nightmare. I would work <laughs> eight hours and then come back an eight hour later and shoot like till like like you know some nights one in the morning depending. It was awful. <laughs> Wow. If it during, time, Christmas. during Christmas. During Christmas. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. Dude, I cannot believe. I am so grateful to our cast and crew. We shot the wraparound in the office on nights and weekends during Thanksgiving and Christmas. Wow. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and all those. What you're doing is cooking your buff. <laughs> yeah. You could be making a film. You could be making Dude, a Jack, film. Bringing back the rule of three comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It was the Chekhov's gun at the start. It had to come back. Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> See, this guy's a screenwriter. Oh, you yeah, know yeah. it. <laughs> so, so you made the film and you put it into festivals. And what, what's the well, reaction? Well, some of the festivals are still actually. actually <laughs> We weren't planning oh, yeah. on doing a festival run. That just, yeah, that's that true. just came out of nowhere. I so really we only played yeah, one festival. Yeah, and then that we did. Really um, and then this past weekend, my wife um, does horror hosting, so she does a live streaming show. So we showed it on there just like yeah. once, and then we deleted it because we didn't want it to be online. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah like so it's um, really only been available online like five days total to nice. see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And do you have plans to potentially have it put it on Shudder or um, host it yourself somewhere? Yeah, so the the plan right now is we're we're shopping around for like the streaming distribution. We are toying toying with the idea of self-releasing the physical release. Yeah. So like j- just because honestly, like a lot of people aren't even worrying about physical releases anymore. But as a horror fan, like I really like having you know tangible yeah. things. Yeah. So I think we're going to talk about potentially self-releasing that unless somebody comes out of the woodwork and says, "Hey, we'll give you an advance." Uh, but but as for streaming, we're still entertaining possibilities for that. I mean, I know you know you know if Sam Zimmerman's listening, we're uh, you know we we send him a screener. So Sam, let us know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> And then, so that brings me on to the sequel for WNUF. Um, like, so what's the deal? What made you want to do a sequel? Okay. Was it the reaction, so, the delayed reaction to kind of to, to, to the film that's made you do that? It, it's not so much. It, it's really funny, man. The second I finished the edit for the first one, I just had this moment where I was like, I mean, I remember we finished the movie and then we ran it through VCR a couple of times mm-hmm. and there's something, there was something so romantic and just some so inspiring in me as I was watching this tape go back and forth and de- de- get degraded. Like it reminded me of tape trading when I was growing up and like all yeah. this thing. And as I was watching this, the stuff go through the VCR back and forth, I thought, man, I could make this a TV show. Like I could make this another movie. I'm not done with these, with this universe. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what was really the, the important thing for me is, and I don't know how much um, you read about the sequel, but I can I talk a little about the high level. Not like much, to be honest, basically I, I was basically being like, okay, I don't want to do the thing where, you know, cause after WNF people would basically come back to us and be like, Hey, let's make something like that. And it's like, basically they say, make the ma- make the same movie, but you know, like yeah. make us money this time, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and, 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 it, and it was like one of the situations where I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, um, I, I basically thought, okay, if I make a sequel to this, I want it to be something a little bit different. So the WNF sequel is, um, 
it's there's returning characters and things like that but it's not like it's not like what you'd imagine like a fundamental sequel sequel being right so it is it is another it is another um tv broadcast like something that is taped off television but the years are 1994 and 1996 and i I think that there's there's two ways to describe this if if wnuf is about how we consumed media in the 1980s uh the wnf sequel is how the media consumed us in the 1990s mm-hmm. and i also think um the, the 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 log line with and i've been trying not to give any plot points away because it's i want it to be a surprise when when those people who who donated to the crowdsource get their vhs tape or their dvd in the mail i want them to put it in and, and at that moment be watching it with fresh eyes with no yeah, influence yeah, yeah, yeah. so but what i will say is this um if you um if you're familiar with the uh uh jerry springer uh, show, or if you're mm-hmm. familiar with the old, um, the old uh, show sightings or like encounters, basically yeah. imagine if Jerry Springer was hosting an episode of sightings. So oh. like that is the WF sequel. So it's, it's, um, you know, I mean, like honestly, the nineties are like, at first I thought it was really hard to lampoon the nineties comparatively to the eighties. Cause we were further back, mm-hmm. but you realize the nineties now it's like, there's so much, there's so much to unpack like marketing to children during the 1990s is really insane. Yeah. Um, and that was some of the most fun I had basically putting everything on steroids in a way that still felt um, realistic was su- I, I've been having a blast making it. It's just really tough. Cause I'm doing, you know, I, um, I spent the first year and a half making it doing a lot of the commercials, which I shouldn't have done because I could have done all the fucking commercials during, during COVID. Yeah, um, yeah. So basically long story short, if we're still, if we're still facing this thing by April of this year, it probably won't come out till October, 2022, but I'm hoping for October, 2021. Cause I have about 10 days that I need to be, um, I don't feel safe shooting until COVID's done. Cause yeah, there's like, yeah. we have like this big scene with like a hundred extras and things like that. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. So if if it wasn't for for COVID, when were you thinking of re- releasing the, the sequel? Well, I was hoping it was going to come out um well, it dream was this this October, but then right. I, that that was totally out the schedule when yeah. when you know March happened. Um but then there's like I said there's certain things that we can't film until there's either a vaccine or something similar uh, yeah. or like a long enough time period. So I think at this point my I'm going to knock on wood and fingers crossed it comes out next Halloween. But honestly, like my dream for it and I, it, this is a tricky way to do this, but I really don't want to tell people it's coming out. I just yeah. want somebody to get their tape in the mail. But the thing is, I have to basically follow up with everybody who's backed the crowdsource campaign and be like, "Hey, are you still at this ad- this address?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there must there must be a way you can you can leak it out into into yeah. public and but still satisfy the people that paid money to get it made. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, dude, uh, there's some there's some really cool stuff. I have um the, the movie's super like has some really cool weird things, but like people who are horror fans and people who were um part of fan culture in the '90s, there's a lot to love there, and there's just some weird stuff that I have planned that like um I'm just stoked about it, man. Like, I mean, yeah. here's what I'll say: Is it going to be a good movie? I don't know, but <laughs> I, I will tell you this: If somebody made that movie and I found it. I would fucking love it. Like there's a lot of weird shit in this movie and yeah. I feel like um I feel like horror fans will have a lot to love. It's 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 far less of a traditional narrative feature than the original, I will say that. Well, I think like the, the best thing to do especially for for horror filmmakers, low budget horror filmmakers is is make the film that you don't mind seeing yourself again and again and again that you can show your family and friends and they yeah. won't be too annoyed at you for showing it. Yeah. And if <laughs> if anyone else likes it, then then that's just a bonus. I, I feel 100% yeah, yeah. Man, love sure. that love that mantra <laughs> um because like 
honestly, like I know, I know it's hindsight is is lucrative, but we did not think anyone would like host. We thought, okay, we've made a film that us our friendship group will like, and no one else will see it. We generally thought that, and we thought it would go onto Shudder because we didn't have a trailer or a poster when we released it. It it, it was so low expectations. Um, so it's it's just yeah, it's it's really weird how how things turn out. Well, it's um, funny you mentioned that too because we haven't done a, a trailer release for what happens next will scare you yet for some of the uh, same reasons. Like we don't yeah. want to influence you know what people are going to know going into the story. Yeah. Now we're gonna we're gonna have to do one eventually, but like yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the interesting thing about found footage films. How authentic do you want to be? If you want to go the, the full way, you do yeah. do it the way that you said. But you kind of leak it out there. Um, and, and essentially that's kind of what Shudder did because there was no fa- fanfare at all. In fact, there was like minus fanfare because it did kind of get announced on, on a website a few weeks before that it was coming out. But just the comments underneath it was like, who wants to watch a shit movie on Zoom? This is going to destroy these filmmakers' careers. Honestly, and that was across the board. Just this is going to be the shittest film ever. Like it looks so cheap. Like we hadn't mm. released anything to do with it. We only delivered it two days before it came out as well. And See, you wow. know what's so about that too, yeah. though. It's like, it's interesting somebody says that, but then when you get to the scenes with like digital compositing and stuff, it's like yeah. your eye has been so trained to like to to look at it as lo-fi, and when those yeah. things happen, you're like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the trick. Like, it's amazing. Zero expectations, and we and we were almost seeding it into people's head. Um, the unfriended connection because we wanted people to think oh this is just going to be another unfriended yeah because if they had the bar that low then it was so easy to leap over it so we were like yeah think 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 it's unfriended that's fine <laughs> Dude, it's um, a, i mean i remember um when when melissa and i went to see unfriended there was this seven-year-old kid in front of us wow. who made that entire experience so much more <laughs> So much better than it was going to be because the seven-year-old is just talking over it the entire time. He's like, oh what's this God. person doing? What's yeah. this amazing? Oh, that happened to me with, with, I don't know if you've seen the Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but oh, it's, no. it's a lot better than you think it is. But it was, and it, it became even better. There was a kid sitting behind me who the entire time kept on asking his dad, is Sonic dead yet? Is Sonic dead? <laughs> I don't know why. Literally five minutes in, Sonic's just there, just just in the kitchen. Is Sonic dead yet? And like, I don't know who put it into his mind that Sonic's going to die because he never died. <laughs> the entire way through, and it was like, what is wrong with this kid? And that would never respond either. So <laughs> I like I like that idea of this kid that's just like so like fascinated by mortality. Like imagine if he goes to Thanksgiving and he's just like, is grandma dead yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. If you if you go into something with expectations, then like and was like, ah, it's really interesting. Um but yeah, I guess like I guess we should wrap this up. But like Jimmy, so you you you're the script butcher, you you take people's uh, lives in your hands almost. What, <laughs> what, what would you say to someone who came to you with, um, who, who maybe isn't quite the finished article yet, what would you do to help them become the, the kind of finished article? Uh, my, my main um, goal as script butcher is to help people match their ideas to their execution. Because uh, I've been comparing myself a lot recently to, uh, have you ever heard of the Netflix show Nailed It? Um, <laughs> yes, I have. Na- yeah, 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 yeah. Nailed, Nailed It is where like you have like these these like chefs that are the judges and then you have uh, these these recipes, right? Like, and they have this beautiful cake that they have to make, right? Yeah. And they have all the ingredients, they have 
everything they need to make that cake and they know what they want that cake to look like and they have the drive and the passion and they just don't know how to cook it right right they don't they they beat the eggs wrong they put too much milk in um (laughs) and if they don't get all the ingredients right they can't make the cake that they're trying to make so my job is to say hey i know you're trying to do this but this is actually what you're doing and and trying to teach them how to match their ambitions and their and their ideas to their execution so that's i spend a lot (laughs) so that is that is an amazing analogy also (laughs) these these cakes are being made in a marketplace where only one percent of cakes get eaten (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) that's true (laughs) but yeah so so i'm i am that guy that 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 chef on nailed it who's like this tastes really good you tried really hard (laughs) um and i love that you tried really hard and i love that you painted it that color that cake that color but it's not very good and we can make it better um i can teach you how to add the right amount of eggs and and cook it for this much time can 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 i no okay so it's it's not about me it's all about them and the work they're willing to do and Mm -hmm. the um and the self-reflection that they're like most people come to me looking for validation. They're not actually looking for notes. Yeah. Um, and so I've had to learn how to circumvent that mm-hmm. and be like, I know you're looking for validation, but that's beside the point. Yeah. It's not, this has, this process has nothing to do with me validating uh, your work. It's about getting it to be what you think it is. Yeah. And so um I think if the people are willing to listen, um, that you can actually absolutely shape people into, I mean, dude, I've had people, I, I had a guy send me a 187 page script and then within a year, he got a seven on the blacklist nice. and, uh, wa- and came in the semifinals, like of a bunch of the big contest so like and like he was coming script down a little bit from from yeah yeah no he literally came to me and he's like he he's like your job and some people come to me this hard man like your job is to cut 57 pages off of this and keep it the same that's kind of fun though uh it's a fucking challenge man (laughs) (laughs) but you know i think it's interesting though like i feel like um you know obviously just to to give jimmy some accolades like uh it's I became such a stronger writer working with him. And I think something that a lot of writers, you know, a lot of writers just are really good at writing dialogue or coming up with really cool characters. I think Jimmy's understanding, fundamental understanding of plot and and three act structure of how to really get to the points that you need to get to. But like, um, and I think this is something that's represented by the films we've made. We've, early on, we didn't get the point of making these movies. They were sort of convoluted and and we ended up like, you know, marketing and storytelling are actually very, connected like you need to think about the promise of a premise you know like you know like president's day exists because you're making a slasher movie with mm-hmm. Abe lincoln like you sort of get what you're doing you get the poster you get the log line you get the promise the premise and i feel like you you've told me that in other conversations about like young like like less experienced writers forget what their movies at their core are about mm-hmm. yeah they oh yeah premise delivery is the number one um thing that most writers just sit down and write right so they just write they they're uh, at least the most of the right, sorry, mo- not most writers, most writers who come to me, right. uh, like when I, 
when I challenge them to explore their their concepts in, in ways that aren't being explored on the page, they go like, holy shit, like, this is awesome. I'm mm-hmm. going to do that and explore more things I didn't even think about doing because they don't understand that uh, exploring the concept in every way possible is their job. It's not to just sit down and write. It's to come up with as many ideas as possible. And Jed, to you and Rob's credit, and uh, I can't remember who's the co-writer uh, Gemma. on uh, Gemma. To you, Rob, and Gemma's credit, I think one of the reasons that people love host is because you guys like maximize the premise delivery. Like the premise delivery in host is incredible. Like everything that you would want out of the experience of your concept, you guys did. And that's why it's a great movie. But but most of most of the scripts that I get, they've got this great concept, right? but they only do like one or two cool things with it. They don't do 90 pages worth of cool things with that concept. They have like these three moments that it's like, dude, if you took those three moments and then took the other 87 pages and, and gave it that same uh, energy and care and love with the concept, this would be so good. And so most of my time is spent helping people understand what it is that they have Mm-hmm. And how to make it better, which is what Chris and I have been workshopping for like a decade. And yeah. and and honestly, like Chris, you say this, those really nice things about me helping you, but you have taught me the 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 value of a concept and how to do premise delivery. Like I didn't have a a, a really true concept of premise delivery until Lost Trailer Park. Like Lost Trailer ah. Park, Lost Trailer Park for me was a changing was like a big growing point. Um, Just for the context, Lost Trailer Park was a web series I did where I made fake trailers for like basically all the ideas for movies that I knew I would never make. I was like, I'll just turn that into a fake trailer. So I did about a year of those and Jimmy worked out a bunch of those. That's really funny, Jimmy. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because uh, because all we did was we spent hours upon hours just trying to stretch everything we could out of that idea and put it into two minutes. Right? Well, and that's like, an interesting, that's an interesting point to talk about the writing process. Like, you know, like I talked about the influences box, but also like we would both make idea books separately mm-hmm. from each other and we would write just exhaust ideas. Like, like mm-hmm. right now I've been riffing on this Christmas horror movie we're, we're thinking about doing. And it's like one of those things where it was like, I was just writing down, like, here's a dumb idea. Here's a dumb idea. And now granted the dumb ideas might lend you to like a, a decent idea. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're they're the starting point to yeah. make something better out of that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But uh but Jed, so a lot of the a lot of the writers that I work with, they don't they don't take the time to uh workshop what they have. Mm-hmm. They they don't they and and so I spend a lot of time helping people like understand like your idea, your concept is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 help you do things with that so that the whole script is as good as the the log line. Yeah. Where where me and Rob come from, Rob is very, he's very art house minded. He he likes his art house movies. I'm I come from, uh, like I, I like commercial movies. I like art house to, to, to maybe sometimes. There's only so much Tarkovsky you can watch before like puking. <laughs> like I, I I how I think of it is. I'm thinking of like a 15 year old guy who's just broken up with his first girlfriend. He sit. He went to the cinema for some escapism. What's going to affect him? What's going to cheer him up? What's going to make him leave that cinema and think, "Fuck, that was so cool." That's what I'm thinking of the entire <laughs> time. I'm thinking of you. We need to put on screen. We've got the opportunity to affect people and and change their lives for the better. Just show something cool on the screen that they've not seen before, and that they yeah. can go and tell their their friends. Shit, I just saw something just now. Then you you need to see it. And that's what we did with Jose. Oh, it was literally like, this will be cool. We need to set this guy on fire. We need some levitation. We need this and that. And now, <laughs> yeah, 
that's just how it was. <laughs> we needed to set this guy on fire. <laughs> no, that was it. Love and I, it. I, I was literally, I was like saying to Rob, Rob, I'm going to take my name off this entire thing if we don't set someone on fire because we need to, <laughs> we need to know that we can make a like a zoo movie and it, for it not to be unfriendly. We we need to make it like push 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 past people's expectations of it so it's like we need to set someone on fire i wanted to set one of the girls on fire but like no one no one would let me so we had to introduce we had to introduce teddy which was a great move by the way it's added to it because he yeah he, yeah i mean all the girls were friends before but he was the only one we introduced from the outside he was a stunt guy he had he had the um the license to set himself on fire Amazing. So smart. Yeah. So smart. So smart. Yeah. Yes. So, dude, you guys, maybe you guys have done this already. Have you guys done a live commentary to it? No. We've, dude, we've I, you got to make that like an event. Like, you've got to, like, have yeah. to, would, I would love to hear those stories. God. Yeah. We've got, like, um. so we've got the, the DVD and the Blu ray coming out in okay. January and cool. maybe some other formats that we all like. Um, uh-huh. But, um, yeah, we haven't. <laughs> really done a proper commentary thing but no i think at some point there will be a like a screening where we yeah. we just we just kind of like explain everything because everything is kind of cool and the fact we genuinely made it with our friends and yeah. everyone that's in this one whatsapp group called the quarantine movie club it was just whoever was in that group was in the film so all all all, all the actors who were in this whatsapp group are the actors in the film that like we didn't it's it, it wow! Pretty crazy, and we're gonna That's and, and for our next films, like I don't know if you've seen, but we're making some films for Blumhouse next. Yeah, making yeah, man, congrats! Oh, congrats! Yeah, awesome. And we're just doing the same thing again. We're just using people we know, all, all the same crew, people we know to like be in it and that's i think that's the formula just because with if you if you're making stuff with your friends then you can you can push them a little bit harder than, dude and, yes like and you won't feel guilty about it because they're not, yeah. not a stranger and also it's it like you can all grow together as well and like you're part of mm-hmm. the friendship group which is really cool uh but, that is cool. Me, but um no it's fun to hear no, i love hearing it dude <laughs> oh man yeah yeah but yeah and then then obviously we're gonna like trying it's been filmed now and we're gonna Get out at the start of the year. I think it might even be January, but like that fast. Wow! And then, and then we start the next one. And then we start doing the next one. Yeah. And so Damn, on until, dude! Until we've done these three Blumhouse, and then um, hell yeah, yeah. And then like we've got we've got a lot of like we've got quite a lot of films in the pipeline, and we we haven't announced a couple either. There's a couple more to be announced. Um, dude, you guys are killing it! Congrats, oh, dude! Yeah. That's awesome, it's man. Crazy. That's awesome. But we actually had them all set up. Besides the Blumhouse ones, we had them all set up before host. So it wasn't because of host. We it was because of our short films, the short films that barely anyone has watched. Um oh. <laughs> the right people in 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 like in in Hollywood, I guess, watched them yeah. and thought, oh okay, like these guys know cool. what they're doing. Um, now are you are you gonna produce these films in England or are you gonna produce them in, in the States? All all the Blumhouse ones, I mean, this is giving away a bit too much, but I think they're all. Oh, you don't have to tell us. I know. Yeah, yeah. I think they're all going to be in the UK at the moment. They're all okay. going to be set in the UK. Um, but yeah, the, the Raimi ones in America. Cool. Um, we've got a Studio Canal Prison movie, which we actually don't know if it's going to be in the US or Europe yet. Um, I think it should be in America because your prisons are wilder than our ones. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's, I mean, the whole country is basically a prison. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> but that's a female escape movie, with, uh, like a supernatural one. Um, oh, cool. Nice. Um, yeah, and then we've got a whole a whole bunch more. Um, oh, damn. That's super cool, yeah. man. That's great. Yeah. It's oh, cool. yeah. Well, that, when you're over here, if, if you're on the right coast, we'll, we'll hang out. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. And ho- hopefully coincides with... Um, 
uh, the premiere of uh, WNUF two. Yeah, yeah, that's that cool. By the way, is, is, is it's it no, it's not. I haven't announced the title, but that's right. not the title. Yeah, okay. I um, it's funny. The only the only thing I ever joke about with the um the third one, which we're I will probably never make. Uh, I know I'm going to call that that one will take place in the early 2000s, and it's going to be called Celebrity Exorcism. Nice, <laughs> nice. I'm currently pitching around an exorcism movie. Like, are you really? <laughs> yeah, because it, it's like, what can you do to an exorcism movie that, ha- that hasn't been done before? And right. I thought of like the weirdest version of an exorcism movie. Um, I'm not going to say it on here because it hasn't no, yeah, been picked yeah. up yet. Yeah, but, no. um, <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing more about it when it is made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, well, well, thank you guys for, for coming on the podcast. Where can people find you um, if they wish to follow up on all of this? Uh, great stuff that you've been doing um yes um i i, I don't even know what my twitter handle is twitter.com <laughs> slash uh i think it's chris la martina chris.lamartina um yeah. so you follow me on twitter um instagram it's uh chris.lamartina um and then facebook i usually um if, if, if people are more active on facebook friend me but say you heard me on here um yeah, so i know some context because i won't just blindly accept every friend request yeah. on facebook yeah, but please yeah. follow me on instagram and um and twitter you're gonna get some crazies jimmy yeah. and i people i I am uh, I'm mainly on Twitter at Jimmy R. George. Um, and if you're looking, if you looking for notes on a script, uh, you can go to scriptbutcher.com. Uh, I don't know when you're going to release this, but I'm I'm already booked through mid-April. So I'm usually booked about six months in advance wow. just for anybody who's. Yeah. So um, it's pretty crazy. I'm That's fortunate. Great. It's 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 daunting. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got six months of work before I'll ever have, and, and then that just keeps happening. But I'm great. Everyone's writing grateful. in lockdown, that's why. And, <laughs> yeah. And November's a, a big writing time, too. So, um, well, thanks very much, guys, for coming on. And um, hope we Thank have you, you for guys having back. us, man. No yeah, worries. Thanks, like, like I, I love WNUF and I love your new film. So, we're looking forward to see what you do next. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> see you later, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.